Hello and welcome to the Xenothesis podcast. This episode, episode 29, we're covering chapter 6 from part 1 low of book 2, Adulthood Rights of the Xenogenesis Trilogy by Octavia Butler. My name is Richard Acton and I'm joined as always by my co-host. Michael Glinka. Hi everyone. Uh, hello. So um, this uh, this is the longest chapter in the entire series, all three books. Yeah, yeah. It's it took, First of all, it took a while to read it. And it had so much information. There's some surprising information as well. And mm. to just like digesting the, all that extra, some interesting info, like uh, like news on terms of like how much time has passed since the book one actually came up to light. And mm. just in general, it was a long but very um, detailed chapter. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of uh, interesting stuff here. So 600 and... Uh, no, six thousand two hundred and forty-five words for anyone interested. But uh, <laughs> so yeah, you said it's uh, you said it's the longest chapter in the all in the whole series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh. all three books. Oh wow! Okay. I have a little plot that I made of the <laughs> chapter lengths in words because I'm a data scientist and I can't resist doing that. <laughs> <laughs> nice, interactive, and everything. You hover over it, tells you how long each chapter is. Uh, really? <laughs> I need to send I it, put it on the website. Yeah, you should. Yeah, actually, yeah. to be honest, you should definitely put it on the website. That'll be really cool. Hmm. Yeah, I'll look into that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, having immediately got slightly sidetracked by my nerdy graph skills. Um, there we go. <laughs> Who doesn't love we graphs? I mean, exactly. Uh, kind of love uh, data visualizations. <laughs> um, should we uh, talk about your your predictions for this chapter? Yeah, sure. So. I wrote that the story of Tino in the village continues. Uh, maybe someone trying to seduce him, but he and us, the listeners, readers, will learn more about the village and the people who live in it. That was sort of my prediction. The continuation from chapter five, basically. Um, and uh, I think uh, fairly accurate. Yeah, sort of. Yeah. Uh, I uh, guess we get probably more than you bargained for, perhaps. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, like we definitely get more than I was anticipating, but you know. I mean, I thought initially that Tino maybe will go to uh, uh, with Ray's, uh, um, uh, you know, daughters or something. But I was just mm-hmm. like, but at the same time, I thought, nah, it's obviously going to be Lilith, isn't it? Just like, come on. Mm. But we'll get to it. Yeah, it was, it's, it's, it, you do kind of, you get that suggestion right at the beginning there with, with Ray's daughters, but it does feel like a bit of a, a misdirect. I think, oh, uh, and also, I think. Um, you know the uh, chapter five, the ending, mm-hmm. when Ray jokes that Nika, if if Tino uh, goes to the house, mm-hmm. you know, um, I'll be severely disappointed. Actually, you were correct. It was Nika as in Nikanj. I thought it was one of Ray's mm-hmm. daughters, um, but it was actually Nikanj he was referencing referencing to. Yeah, I think we get. We're getting the canons referred to as, as Nika a few other times in this chapter, right? To, to, yeah, yeah. So that yeah, that yeah. sort of, I was like, that made me realize that it, it, because it wasn't Lilith saying that, I think that, I, that that's why I assumed it would maybe um, raise mm-hmm. daughters. But no, it mm-hmm. was Nikanj that um, he was referencing all this time. I, th- do, I think we, we, do we get their names for his daughter? I can't remember them. Um, I don't think so. No, I don't. Uh-huh. Maybe one of them is re- uh, mentioned last chapter, but this chapter we, we only have the yeah. appearance of the two of his daughters, but not nothing else. Yeah, I think we kind of talk about them in the context of, of um, Tekoris wanting them 
or them wanting to prove that they are um, similar, despite one being born of a human and one being born of an orc. Onkali, yeah. But we'll get to it, I yeah. guess. Well, let's. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's all at the very beginning of the chapter, so let's let's maybe let's maybe yeah, let's, start let's with a summary. So the chapter starts where we left off chapter five. Um, people leaving Lilith's place after Tino's stories. Um, you know, people were still sort of in the process. It was just at the beginning of the process of them standing up and still laughing at the joke made on the canch by Ray. Um, Tino was not sure if he understood what they were laughing at and maybe he just didn't want to understand. Um, for some reason, he thought about Lilith, her strange name loaded with bad connotations. Um, she was standing and talking with some of the Onkali children in a language he assumed with was Onkali in the middle of them. And as people were leaving, Tino, you know, observing them, you know, absorbing the, the vast menagerie of differences. And this is how mm. the book describes it. Human, nearly human with few visible sensory tentacles, half human, gray with strangely jointed limbs and some sensory tentacles. Onkali with human features contrasting jarringly with their alienness. Onkali who might be possibly part of hu- part human and on Kali like the Uloi who had spoken to him who obviously had no humanity at all hmm. yeah so uh that's a pretty um visually uh striking i would say gradient situation of, yeah gradient of basically hmm. between pure human and pure on Kali and the blend in between them interesting I I thought about what this would look like a little bit if if someone adapted it to to a visual medium, right? If someone mm-hmm. made a you know a TV series or a, a movies out of this, and I always thought it'd be very difficult to do the Owen Kali well. Um, I think so. Yeah. I was looking at um, because the way later on um, Tino as Tino looks at Lilith and like sort of describes how she looks in his eyes, I wanted to sort mm. of see um, someone maybe somebody's drawing or something maybe official drawing how like like the author, you know maybe how the author actually uh, you know saw Lilith or in her eyes or something, mm. and I think I saw somebody trying to do an adaptation of the series. I mean, I, I imagine there's plenty of like fan art out there. No, um, no, but I mean, like as you mentioned, adaptation, like as in like movie adaptation, series adaptation. Oh, I think actually, it was, um, there's a thing on the Wikipedia article about Amazon maybe picking it up for a TV series, but I don't know if it actually. I don't know how far into the production process it 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 okay. went. Um, it started a while back, so I don't know if they're they're still trying um, to de- design uh, on Kylie yeah, costumes. It... <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Oh, no. I mean, with the CG getting as good as it is these days, maybe it wouldn't be as uh, as difficult. But mm. like, but yeah. I guess it's what's you say that, and I think what's interesting nowadays is that sort of people really appreciating still the animatronic like costumes and um you know mm-hmm. the, the, the designs because if you rem- recall like when Star Wars um the first the, the original series was obviously all like puppets and stuff mm. like that mm. and then there came the the prequels which were fully full cgi which people were mm. like obviously jarred with and then let's forget about the new uh, star wars and then move on to the mandalorian <laughs> like people realize that actually the that the, there is this preference of people i guess good cgi is amazing obviously some things you cannot mm. do with like animatronics but the costumes like the physicality that they provide with they really do add to the to the to to the movies in mm. general so i think 
I, I think or at the very least doing things like using physical models for for creating lighting realism and that kind of yes, thing. But yes. I mean it's it's I think for 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 doing something like the Oankali it would be extremely difficult to do as a physical effect because like having all of the the body tentacles I mean, when you, when you think about, like, um, there's a description a bit later in this of, of Nakanja's, like, the surface of Nakanja's um, sensory arms, and it sounds almost like a waveform, right? Yes, You've got, yes. It's kind of this, like, rippling surface of, like, and that would be so hard to do as a physical effect and have that look. No, absolutely. And I, I think, the, like, the and biological. And the whole idea that, you know, like, their tentacles can move independently, and the fact mm. that, for example, like, they can go completely still, or, like, as you, you know, said, they can change their, like, form in a way, um, mm. I think would be really difficult, like, to, to, yeah. to do it as a an animatronic. In, like, you'd have to have, I don't know, several people with, like, or a keyboard, basically, and just picking which tentacle goes where and stuff like that. It's just... Mm, yeah. I mean, it, it, because there's so many individual points of movement, it would be super difficult to do like that. It's like, I mean, the, the way they did the the Baby Yoda animatronic in, or puppet in The Mandalorian was they had a couple of guys with, like, big RC car remotes, mm-hmm. each of them, yeah. like, actuating different... Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Various different parts, of the, yeah. So, like the, but the the number of guys you'd need to actuate different tentacles is kind of a, it gets a little out of control. Like, yeah, to, you'd to have to have the whole that. like team basically, you know, yeah. to, to just control every single limb individually. So it's yeah, yeah. So I think you'd have to do it with CG. Yeah, but yeah, I guess with the good CG nowadays, you could probably you could really pull it off. Hmm. But uh, yeah, we, we we got sidetracked again, as always. <laughs> So, and between them all, all that menagerie of um, beings was standing Lilith. Um, Tina liked her outer appearance, you know, Amazon of a woman, tall and strong, fine, dark skin, breasts high in spite of all the children. Honestly, the amount of times he, the, he manages breasts is just... Yeah, yeah, he seems... Um, he's having hornies. Uh, um <laughs> Tino has never seen a woman nursing and he almost had to turn his back on her to stop himself staring at her feeding Akin. In eyes of Tino, Lilith wasn't beautiful. She had a broad, smooth face with set expression of solemnity, even sadness. Um, the book says, It made her look, and Tino winced at the thought, it made her look saintly, a mother, very much a mother, and something else. I guess the, hmm. and the, the sort of, he gets this um, feeling from her that like she's carrying quite a bit of a burden which then gets explained later on yeah yeah i mean and, and she has definitely had plenty of uh burdens placed on her so i think it uh it makes sense that she would be uh you know carrying the expression of solemnity mm. uh, most of the time he seems um like uh attracted to her strength though despite the um you know saying that she, she wasn't beautiful as such but yeah he definitely seems attracted to her in in perhaps other ways Mm -hmm. Um, but then again it it does also seem fixated on her breasts Uh, yeah well you know a horny can really mess a man's mind (laughs) um lilith was single akin's father was long dead um Tino thought if he stayed with lilith he would also be staying with her own kali family whose uloi provoked so much laughter um, as this was all going through Tino's head, you know, Lilith's appearance and, you know, Ray approached him and introduced himself. Told him that he lives in the village permanently and if Tino wants, he can come and visit anytime. Um, 
Bray, in Tino's view, was a small, blonde man with nearly colorless eyes, which drew Tino's attention. Um, Raiden asked Tino if he knew Nikanj, the Uloi he's staring at, because it seems that it recognized Tino. Tino thought that Nikanj was an ugly creature who forced pregnancy on Lilith, yet there was something compelling about it. And as Tino was lost in that thought, um, a very human-looking young woman brushed past Tino on her way out. He saw her join another, very similar young woman, who turned around and both looked at Tino smiling at him. They were completely alike, pretty, but so startling in their similarity that he was distracted from their beauty. Twins? Tino asked Ray. But Ray tells us that they were born one day apart and one of them should have been a boy. And as Richard mentioned earlier, one of them was human uh, uh, mother from Monkali, another one from Monkali. Um, hmm. But the fact that he said that one of them should have been a boy um, was really weird, I thought, for Antin and his mind, because they both looked very much like women. Hmm. I mean, I think, um, I'm not, well, because they have that whole sort of uh, metamorphosis thing and they don't necessarily, when they're in their sort of earliest phase, I don't know if they know what their ultimate um, gender or sex will be. Uh, I, I forget if they, they know that beforehand. Um, I think but, they do because do you remember Arjas and uh, Dijan when um, in the f- one of the first chapters they were talking about like um, you know when Akin I think when Arja when he asked Arja when as she was pregnant um, if you know, there's a chance of the the baby in her being an Uloi and Arjun Dichan were like, no, no, it's definitely a girl. Hmm. Okay, yeah, but yeah, it's interesting that they that one of them was supposed to be something else and wasn't because they seem quite good at controlling that. I the, think it's a. I think it's still the fact yeah. that what Nikanch or Akin Nikanch referenced before that they didn't hmm. know, didn't want to allow boys being born. Hmm from human mothers and Lilith is I think one of the first one if not the first mm-hmm. yeah so I think the, the, they were wanting more males um, born of the Owen Carly yeah 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 um, mm. <laughs> so the chapter goes in then here in a quite a peculiar situation because Ray asks then Tino if he likes them to which Tino looks at him and smiles at him, but gets a response that no one ever wants to get after the question, if you like someone, I am their father. <laughs> <laughs> that that made Tino freeze, understandably, you know, like, oops. Yeah. It's good oh, that dear. he only yep. smiled that he didn't say anything, like, out of the line, right? Yeah. Um, Raiden explains to him that one comes from human mother, as I mentioned, as Richard mentioned earlier, and then another one from Kali mother. But when they were born, they were not on de- uh, they weren't identical. But as they are now, um, it's because Tekhoras, the race Uloi, made them the way to make a point. You know, the point is that the nine mm-hmm. ch- children Ray and Leah produce are true siblings of the children of their own Kali mates. Yeah. So we get. Uh... It's kind of interesting that there's this this sort of degree of control over um, their appearance. Right? They they seem to be. It's a little unclear how much of this is 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 them wanting to look similar, and how much of it Tecorus wanting to make that point. But in either case, it seems like there's a certain amount of uh, control they can exercise over over how they look. Yeah, I think uh, it's probably the latter you mentioned. It's it's probably Tecorus controlling how they would look. 
Although the question is always like that suggests that the meta- the metamorphosis they undergo is pre-programmed mm. in their bodies, and basically it's it's like a, it's basically like you know a but you know a um a butterfly you know metamorphosis that, that that's already mm-hmm. there in their genome, and basically you know it's gonna happen nonetheless. Um, mm. where they, they they can't control it in a way, right? Although I think, I mean, I don't, I, I, I can't recall if there are specific instances of this, but it really wouldn't surprise me if that if there are um, uh, metamorphoses where there are environmental cues that will influence what the outcome looks like. Mm. Um, you know, so if you had a particular um, environmental condition beforehand, you go one way, and if if not, you go the other in in terms of um, appearance. Is that it's it's a potential adaptive strategy. I wonder though if there is need for such adaptive strategy for the Onkali though. I mean, because it would make sense mm. for like in an evolutionary standpoint, but um, the fact that Onkali can control it just sort of disregards that evo- evolutionary necess- necessity, right? Because they can like, mm-hmm. if there's a necessity for that, they can make sure that the you know their future generations have this additional trait that that's necessary for their survival, right? Yeah, yeah, but it's just uh, um, thinking of it as a, uh, a sort of point of enhanced plasticity where they might want to exercise their their will over the outcome, right? An mm-hmm. opportunity to make some changes. Yeah, yeah. So, and I think if I remember correctly, there are there are two metamorphoses, right? There's there's a um, an early childhood to a, kind of a mid one where, where we met in account the first time around. He'd undergone his first or its first metamorphosis, and then mm-hmm. uh, it was going through a second one with Lilith. So the it's a like a a, a three phase life cycle for the Arncal. I think you might be right. I don't re- remember well, but I think there was obviously the Nikanjan got undergoing metamorphosis with Lilith was yeah. But I think he mentions that there was a another metamorphosis at the very yeah. early stages. Yeah. Mm. But anyway, let's go back to the chapter. Um, mm-hmm. When he Tino hears that Ray had nine children, uh, it shocks him because. He lived his whole childhood among people who would almost give their own lives to produce a child, you know, in the resistant mm. village. Ray then makes Tino focus on him and again says that although they look identical, the fact is they, they are not. They are they wear uh, more clothing than most people because they are concealing their differences. And if he cannot accept it, then Tino should leave them alone. But then Tino goes like, what if I can accept it, you know, like to which Ray tells mm. him then, well... All of it is between Tino and the girls, and that's when another Uloi comes and reaches to the girl, to which we learn that's Tekoras, and you know, and he just drags them away, being protective, <laughs> protective dad, and um, uh. and Tino notices that you know, like, oh, did they stop? The girls stopped talking between each other, and, and um, Tekoras stopped, and he suspected they must be communicating still somehow, and he. He he had rumors that the Onkali could read minds, but he never believed it. But clearly, something was happening. Mm. Now, and that um, uh, sort of a chemical ability to communicate that they have, where if they touch one another and they can sort of send sensor information. Mm-hmm. I imagine that would be um, weird to be in company with someone who was communicating with someone else that way, right? It's like um, kind of a worse version of being in a room where everyone is speaking a different language. <laughs> yeah. I just imagine like, it would be really awkward. Like you're talking to someone and then like another person approaches you, touches your hand and then you like sort mm. of shut yourself in a mid-sentence and then, and then you're just like, 
and then a second later you just continue with completely different maths because you started speaking like you know having conversation with someone else in like secret mm-hmm. secret or something yeah just sort of like zone out in the, the middle of the verbal conversation and come back having had a and i think it's like in some ways faster than a verbal communication yeah. so you like come back having had a uh a fairly uh, extensive exchange. I just sort so. of imagine, it, like, socially, right, though, like, imagine, like, a social gathering with humans, like, it'd be really awkward, mm. though. Like, I mean, generally, some people, you know, being quiet, some be like, but in general, like, you, you try to, um, uh, you know, in a proper, like, manner, um, you, you should inc- inc- encourage and incorporate everyone in the discussion, right? Um, mm-hmm. I just imagine being really awkward. Somebody just suddenly like touching other person and just having conversation without even saying to the some people like oh no, excluding some people or something. It's just like I can. We'd have to develop a whole etiquette around how it works. Yeah, you know, the, there the, definitely the would the have social, to so, like yeah. etiquette development over this because I, I can imagine it causing some like really awkward silences, at least for some. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I suppose if you if you were all able to participate in that kind of conversation, then it would become less. But I just weird, imagine like but, um, everybody just sitting in yeah. a circle, like you know, it's like summoning circle and just holding mm. each other's hands, just having an exchange and like be weird, like <laughs> so weird. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> just like a completely silent uh, dinner party, but everyone's like linked hands around the table. Yeah, it's, it's like, like yeah, basically you know, like some sort of ceremony, just undergoing. It's just like, yeah. You walk into the room and you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a, be a weird thing to walk on, uh, walk in on. As his last message to Tino before leaving, Ray tells him that, you know, he can do whatever he wants as long as he doesn't hurt anyone. You know, he can make as many friends and lovers as he wants, as he want, and no one has the right to demand anything from him, from him that he doesn't want to give. Um, mm. And Tino was so absorbed in watching the girls leaving... Uh, especially in the book, it describes looking in their um, waist that he didn't realize mm. that Liv and Nikanj approached him until Ray and his family were gone. That one has serious level of hornies there. Like, oof, <laughs> come on. I wonder, I didn't think of it before. I wonder if uh, is, is Nikanj messing with, with some pheromones or something? Because Yes, I think he is. Like I think <laughs> that's the whole um, thing because throughout the whole conversation... Mm. Um, Lilith just sort of can Im- immediately tells him like you know you're gonna stay right like it's it's you, we can tell right right and he, she's and he's like oh, I don't know but in, in reality like Nikand is probably like spraying the whole house in like love pheromones and it's like raised like <laughs> basically aphrodisiac uh, mm-hmm. sorry not right Tino is is uh, under serious influence from some some sort of aphrodisiac um, so Lilith invites Tina to stay at with them at least overnight uh tina looks at lilith and still thinking about her breasts <laughs> i wrote boobs uh, it just took me by a surprise while i wrote here sorry um because uh, generally he just keeps like you know looking at like looking at her like i think in the book it described like oh her breasts that were covered now by a gray shirt just like she takes his hand and i <laughs> uh, you know t Tino says it in examining large, strong, colors, warm hands, human. Almost consciously, he had turned his back to Nikanj. Um, what did, what did the, you know, exactly what did Ola want? Or rather, mm. the book says, how did it go about getting what it wanted? What did the Uloi actually do to humans? What would it want from him? 
And did he really want Lilith badly enough to find out, right? Those, those things were going through uh, his his, yeah. his mind. Hmm. So I, was, I was reminded a little bit of uh, Joseph's first encounter with, with Nakanj here. But, uh, I mean, at least, like, T- Tina seems kind of more curious to explore this than Joseph was. He was uh, uh, really not quite so... Uh, so keen on having it sprung on him as, as suddenly as it was. Yeah, I think at the but, time uh, of Joseph was really like surprising because it was the first time they see Nikanj, uh, you know, and then suddenly it's like, okay, let's get to it. Uh, whereas I guess um, Tino had probably more chance to see, uh, you know, he obviously had more chance mm. to meet Don Kali, so he, he knew what to expect. Yep, yep. So uh, a, 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 bit more, uh, a bit more information, a bit more background to, yeah. as to what he's getting into. So as those thoughts were going through um, Tino's mind. He also thought, but he left Phoenix for this, didn't he? Right? Like, he, he wanted to, to to actually, you know, meet someone and have offsprings. But all of this is going so fast. Um, mm. Liv then invited him to sit down and talk, you know, Tino saw Akin being taken away, but uh, by a small great child and two other Onkali, um, he could tell that Akin wanted to stay, but was coerced to give them space. And as the group vanished, the doorways was, uh, seemed to grow shut behind them, uh, leaving Tino, Lilith, and Nikanj sealed in the room. Um, Tino looked at Nikanj, <laughs> and as he observed it, he realized something. Like, just this sort of clicking in his, something clicking in his mind. Tino then asked if he, has, he was the one conditioning him. That surprised Nikanj, because, you know, that he could remember, that Tino could remember this, because, but mm. uh, Tino says he who could forget the conditioning. He isn't sure how he recognized it because he's having difficulties with telling Onkali apart. But he can't tell him that he in fact that he can tell them apart, but he doesn't realize that yet. It's unusual because a lot of humans never learn to tell the Onkali apart. But um, you know, Tino is an exception. And then Tino mm. asks Nikanj what did it do to him when he was younger. And we have a nice paragraph here of ex- this explaining. Um, um, I told you then. I checked you for disease and injury, strengthened you against infection, got rid of any problems I found, programmed your body to slow it, its aging process after a certain point, and did whatever else I could to improve your chances of surviving your int- reintroduction to Earth. Those are the things that all the conditioners did. And we all took prints of you, read all the- that your bodies could tell us about themselves and create kind of a blueprint. Blueprint. I could make a physical copy of you even if you hadn't survived. Hmm. Yeah, so it's a, it's interesting that um, Tino has this kind of uh, better ability than most to tell the, the Oankali apart. Although I'm wondering how much of a, a side effect of the, the conditioning that is. I don't know if that's Who knows what still un, un, unusual for him after having been conditioned or if it's just something that's a consequence of having been conditioned. Maybe because he was a child, maybe his mind sort of... Although we're saying that children usually mm. forget, like depending what age he was when he was conditioned, but like mm. maybe that that you know, like that, you know, in humans, when you're like memories do usually um, get overwritten unless emotions gets involved, right? Especially like uh, shock emotion, like when you're like really shocked about something, it usually either really stays with you or your mind completely eradicates it because it's too much of a shock to your your own mind right so maybe it's the la- it's the f- former in here that he basically 
there was enough emotion involved, well, not too much um, to completely eradicate him, but actually to strengthen up the, the, the memory of Nikanj. Mm. Yes, I think the kind of um, the like traumatic memory loss thing where, you know, you, you like repress or suppress a memory. Mm-hmm. I think that's uh, kind of gone out of vogue a little bit in uh, memory circles. I think that that's less of a less of a thing than people once thought it might have been. Oh, really? Um, I think I think so, yeah. I, I mean, I'm not super up on the, the memory literature, so I, I, but I, I think that's not, not currently a popular opinion in the literature, oh, Okay. if I'm remembering correctly. But yeah, I, I definitely remember something to do with like moments of emotional peak being um, signposts in memory. But uh, yeah, the, the forgetting it thing, I think less so. Okay. I'll have to have a look when, you know, making references for the chapter to see mm-hmm. what's the current view on this idea. So Tino asked, so a baby basically, you know, like he did, you know, it's as in like the copy they can make is create another baby that basically Tino, but not him in reality. Uh, that's really a philosophical question mm. here. So Yeah, it's it's probably what, like the, the, you know, the clone thing, yeah, right? The, it's not a copy of his consciousness. It's just a physical clone. Yeah. So Tino mm. asks, but Nikanj also says, yes, Don Carl need the cultural diversity for good trade. Hmm. Which is, in a way, still really contradicting what they do, but you know, you know. Yeah, we get a little bit more into that. Yeah. Um, later on, with a couple of things they talk about. But, uh, yeah, it does doesn't seem to fit terribly well with the way they're currently conducting themselves. Yeah. So it sort of in here, this sort of explains that Tino then gets annoyed with the word trade. You know, what happens to human wasn't a trade because the trade doesn't involve coercion. Nikanj though tells him that human needed something, and then Kali needed something. So and they all shared it. In the right, Tino. Though contra argues that saying that the humans didn't need anything before Don Kali got to Earth, but Kanch tells them basically they were all dying, right? There is no um choice in that what yeah. what they did. Um Tino never understood what the war was, and no one in Phoenix was able to explain to him. At least not able to give him a good reason, you know, to destroy the whole humanity, yes. He understood anger, hatred, humiliation, even desire to kill a man. But destruction of whole humanity, like even almost basically killing the whole planet, something. Sometimes he even thought that Don Kali maybe caused the war for their own because or their own purpose because he couldn't comprehend how a sane person could allow the insane people gain control of devices to do so much harm. Hmm. You know, if if you knew a man was out of his mind, you you restrained him. You didn't give him powers. <coughs> yeah. <coughs> Yeah. Yeah. Let's not talk about the 2016 elections. Yeah, let's just not talk at moment at all about the whole world is happening at the moment. Um, uh, Tino tells Nikanj <laughs> that he doesn't know about the war, but maybe they could have left them be. Maybe some of the humans would survive, but Nikanj, Nikanj tells him that nothing would survive except bacteria, a few small land plants and animals, and some sea creatures, probably deep sea creatures. Everything that Tino sees around is made up from the prints that Onkali collected and combined with their own specimens. The war damaged the ozone layer, um, and then he explains to what to Tino what it is, a layer that shielded life of, uh, on Earth from sun's UV lights. Without its protection, human, first of all, would be blind and then burned to crisp. That, of course, would happen if you survive the post-war effects, you know, radioactivity and stuff like that. Um, can- and cancer caused I mean, by the pre- post-radioactivity, you know, mm. the fallout. I some life has, like, 
evolved to be moderately UV hardened. So, I mean, I mean, if if if, if life, you know, well, it basically you had a mass extinction extinction event here, and if enough stuff came back from those survivors, mm-hmm. it would probably have evolved to to deal with a higher UV environment. No, I mean, yeah, obviously some of them survived, but as you said, there'll be there was a massive um, uh, mass extinction event taking place. So that's Mm. basically what he's describing. You know, most animals and plants died. And and the fact that even someone Kali died when they first landed on the planet is a pretty good message that the land was basically barren and really, really bombed to, 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 to death, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds like it really got quite a bit um, worse after the initial um, impacts because we we had Lilith surviving down there for a little while and a bunch of other people who survived for a little while after the initial impact, which kind of which fits right. You, mm-hmm. you, did, you set off a bunch of uh, nuclear explosions, then you know you have their acute effects in the, the places where they go off, yep. and then you've got some some fallout diffusing across the the land and and also um climatic effects after the fact yeah so there's a a fairly well-known novel called on the beach mm-hmm. by neville shoot that was written back in 1957 um the the scenario like the, the setting for this is a, is a post-nuclear um world mm-hmm. where everyone's just kind of like waiting for the the fallout to reach them like there's like a set in australia and it's they're kind of like the last people where the front of the the radiation will get to them. Uh, yes, it's pretty dark. Yeah, yeah. I just <laughs> just the idea of anticipating something that you cannot escape from, just like yeah, it's pretty scary. Yeah, it's just like the inevitable engulfment of the world in this radioactive cloud. Yeah, and it, in in that scenario, the the war was fought with um, cobalt jacketed bombs, uh, which are. Um, they produce much more long-lived and, and potent radioactive fallout than the sorts of... Uh, like if, if we fought a nuclear war now, mm-hmm. we'd be using mostly H-bombs, yep. uh, which have pretty clean explosions, right? There's not as much radioactive fallout from those. Um, they're deliberately designed to be like some... Eco-friendly bo- bombs. Tactical. <laughs> like, yeah, so tactical's not quite the right word because they're designed to basically destroy an entire urban area or possibly several, but like they're designed to be at the least contained to that and not do like catastrophic environmental damage to... Well, I mean, they would do catastrophic environmental damage. This is like, but it's not like we deliberately made them as, as ridiculously... Uh, horrendously uh, environmentally destroying as possible as we could do if we put cobalt jackets on them so it's like yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know at least uh-huh. at least they're thinking about the eco- environment so eco-friendly i don't understand why would you know like all those pro-environmental groups would um be against them <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, so i mean the, it always whenever i think about nuclear weapons it always just the the scope of them is just like the magnitude of the explosive forces you get from like a single Minuteman warhead contains more explosive energy than all of the bombs dropped in World War Two, mm. including Fat Man Little Boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, it's just like it's ridiculous. The fact that we've no. developed something like this, it's just yeah, it's it's typically a typical human thing, isn't it? 
But I guess it's it's not no. like just human. Like if, if there's another species developing and like with the similar aspect as we are, the way we are, I, I'm sure like the development of nuclear energy would be just you know a matter of time. Uh, and we we still don't like, in this world we don't know uh, in the, the books world we don't know what triggered the war. No, no, no. We don't know no. like. I guess, I guess, is it like it's something to relate it maybe to the Cold War, that you know. Yeah, I mean, we we I think we 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 got that it was a a U.S. Soviet exchange. Yeah. But we don't know what set it off. Um, I think we discussed this way back in the in the first book. Yes. But uh, like the most the most plausible scenario for for um, a massive nuclear exchange is actually accidental. Um. Yeah, because like the, the fact of that we almost we only survive like we didn't have a nuclear war because the what was his name I don't remember but the, the Russian uh, nuclear warheads control mm-hmm. like operator refused to um, uh, launch them because he thought that this is a error on the mach- on the on computer like thinking that, that it's the new that, yes um, Stanislav Petrov but like he's not the only one where that happened right mm. there, there are several instances where we had a um a similar like uh early warning system error that nearly caused a a nuclear exchange um and the the, the main reason for it is the logic of the um uh, exchange when you first start right so the you won't be able to launch a massively um like destructive retaliatory strike if you are struck first because they will destroy your missile silos. Mm-hmm. Um, but this only works for if you if you need missile silos. Yeah. Um, but now, like in the modern context, we have sufficient destructive capability with um, the other two legs of the nuclear triad, with air and um, submarines, that we could launch a, a fully effective retaliatory strike without needing any of the... Um, ground-based missile silos Mm -hmm. but and that the primary reason that the ground-based missile silos cause a a strategic issue and risk this this like um immediate decision on exchange is because they're fixed points where you know where they are you can guarantee hitting them and taking them out in your first exchange right but that doesn't apply to the the air-based and the submarine-based vectors so they have less time pressure on the decision to to release Mm -hmm. so like at the peak and even to some degree still today, right, the decision authority on, on launching for ground-based missiles is in like an, somewhere like a five to eight minute time frame uh, for you needing to decide to launch if you want to be able to use them if someone else has fired first. And it's that that causes the, prob- like the high probability of an accidental nuclear exchange because the time pressure that puts on the decision making that people have to make, it, it makes it very likely that someone will make an ill-informed choice on the nuclear release authority and then you have an accidental exchange. But yeah, that's, that's the reason why we should get rid of the missile silos and, and at the very least go down just to air and sea-based nukes because it, it takes the pressure off the uh, decision making time frame. But, but yeah, no. um, I think we had this conversation before, didn't we? Probably, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. That's uh, my um, wanting to communicate that because <laughs> it's something we should probably be uh, like pushing for as a matter of public policy, yeah. right? I think that uh, in Scotland, for example, here they are trying to push um, again banning the nuclear weapons, the Trident, 
uh what's the word trident uh trident yeah, yeah. the submarines yeah, yeah. yeah but but that's um yeah this is a whole massive tangent but yeah <laughs> yeah let's 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 continue uh. Yeah, so the, the economics of, of Faz Lane and, and so on are quite complicated for the Scottish nuclear question, but let's, let's not go down that yes. rabbit hole. <laughs> um. So, back to the chapter. Um, so, we know, we're told that the most plants and animals died, and even some of Don Cali did when they first landed on the uh, planet. They needed to help the planet really quickly, and that's what they did to help to restore, restore the planet much faster. Um, and this is what the book describes, what Nikanj tells Tino. Once it was restored, we knew we couldn't carry on normal trade. We couldn't let you breed alongside us, coming to us only when you saw the value of what we offered, stabilizing a trade. That way, that way takes too many generations. We need to free you, at least the least dangerous of you anyway, but we couldn't let your numbers grow. We couldn't let you begin to become what you were. And that's appeared several mm. times before, didn't he? You know about the like, why there is no male boys being born from uh, human women, just to to eradicate the aggressiveness from the. And at the beginning of the book one, they talked about the whole like, you no know, hierarchical um, approach to society as well as you know like the individual mm. and stuff like that. So all of it, they from the very beginning, they 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 wanted to eradicate this inhumanity, basically. Yeah, and this this really kind of gets to the to the point of some of the questions we've asked before about the the way the trade is occurring here. Um, and I suppose when you put it in the context of like we're about to engage in a genetic exchange with a species that just effectively would have annihilated themselves in a nuclear exchange, mm-hmm. then you can kind of understand a certain amount of caution yeah. from the Orancali on that front, right? It's like they want to be very conservative and very careful um, with handling the the danger posed by humans given that they uh they screwed up that badly yeah 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 um basically you know humans couldn't be allowed to do what they did originally because don Carly knew that the humans would fight between each other right and we are told that some of the southern resistor groups are were already making guns mm-hmm. which is crazy like the fact that you no know, people have traveled far south just to like separate themselves from the Onkali and now they're making guns yeah and i think yeah i think we get um uh tino's opinion on this as well in that he thought that it was stupid and futile to make guns to try and fight the the Onkali. yeah it says here that tino heard about the southerners and their guns you know he assumed they were used against Onkali. he didn't believe that Onkali, beings from outer space who uh, would be stopped by primitive weapons, and he said so to the people in Phoenix, which make it, made him highly unpopular. Um, yeah. So, and even <laughs> so, several uh... of those peoples left Phoenix to join the Southerners. You know, like it makes sense though. Like, if the hmm. species, you know, like, comes from outer space, what the hell is gonna be a bullet going to do? Like, yeah, you can maybe stop one or two of them, but like, obviously, it's not gonna stop them all. He's yeah, uh, smart enough to have noticed that that's probably not gonna work. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. and it's a, it is quite interesting also the the sort of um, uh, the background we get there on on them having sort of integrated other species before and doing it in a way that seems like it was more voluntary, right? They're saying you know it's it's taking too many generations to integrate them, and uh, they they you know they wanted you know they want them to have some degree of freedom, and then now they're having 
they're releasing humans under a slightly sort of controlled condition back on Earth, giving them a certain amount of freedom, enough that they might go off and use it to make firearms. But uh, yeah, it, it's it, it, it's and you know they they generally seem to have kind of a, a moral qualms to some degree about coercing the humans, but then you know they're they're in this you know they have this like paternalistic attitude towards the humans because of the fact that they you know. Uh, there were so few of them left; they didn't want them to go extinct. Yeah. And this whole, like, you know, nuclear annihilation thing—it's like you, the, you, you can sort of understand why they would have this this very um, this very cautious attitude. Um, but but yeah, it would be interesting to think about how that would look. Um, and we've talked about it a little bit before how it would look were they to come uh, to a civilization and, and not not in the state that the human civilization was yeah. in when they arrived. Yeah. Yeah. But this is sort of confirms also my predictions about the whole civil war thing, right? Sort of doesn't doesn't because, you know, mm-hmm. it says him that um, T- it's like Tino asks them like, what will they do about the guns? But Nikanj tells them they won't do anything unless they try to harm Don Kali, um, because the then they will be made to go back on the ship permanently, lose Earth, never come back, be completely dragged throughout the whole time. But so far, none of them shot Don Kali, but they did shoot other humans. So, in a way, I was saying is like you know, the civil war between the resistors and the, you know the Don Kali. But it seems that the humans are actually scared of like being taken by Don Kali, so they wouldn't harm Don Kali. But I think they probably would harm the other humans that are living with Don Kali, or maybe even the human Don Kali constructs. Um, so it's sort of like there's this. I guess balance that in the way they're making the guns, but it's more likely to still shoot each other. It's like there's so many little, so little humans left, and yet you still shoot each other. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, makes yeah. so much sense. Mm. Um, it's uh, <laughs> yeah, they're kind of right. Damn it. Yeah, <laughs> this news started a uh, little. You know the fact that you no know, uh, about. The, you know, the news about the guns who asked Nikanj how could they let them do it but Nikanj asked her if they could really stop them right uh, mm. and I mean Lilith says you used to try but Nikanj tells her yes mm. we are but that's only happening on the ship or in the trade villages they do not do it anywhere else because they would have to cage the resistance and drug them we've done that to a few, few, a few violent humans shall we do it to more mm. no that's, it's interesting there because like Lilith's on the on their side on that point, right? She's like, can't have all these people running around with guns. I mean, the <laughs> fact that you know, you know, I guess it comes from the fact that you know, the first group that Nick, uh, Lilith was uh, has awakened, you know, even giving them machetes mm. was already you know, too much. Mm-hmm. But hey, <clears throat> Lilith only stared at him, you know, saying nothing. Tina asks if they won't do that, to which exp- Nikanj explains that no, they won't. They have prints of them all. It would be sad if they lose them, but hey, at least they can save something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What about that cultural thing? Yeah, exactly. That's earlier? that's what I was like. <laughs> you were literally a few sentences earlier talking about the cultural aspect being important, yet you're like, ah, well, sucks to be them. Um, they plan to reinvite those humans back to them. They will heal anyone and, you know, cure any injuries or, you know, deformities or whatever, disabilities. But if they are not happy with it, they will be allowed to stay away. Um, Kanji then looked at Tino and said that he knew that 
uh, it knew that Tina would co- uh, choose to come with them. Tina thought that remember though remembers that he didn't want to go with his parents but wasn't allowed to stay and you know Nikandrin explains that Don Kali are not good at raising human children and for a brief moment it looked mm-hmm. at Lilith who looked away <clears throat> Paul Titus <clears throat> yeah um, at least they seem to have learned their lesson on that yeah point. I think they really did I think they really did get that lesson you know yeah um Tino caught himself staring at Uloi's long grey sensory arms. Um, Lilith explains to him that for her they always looked like elephant trunks. Um, Tino looked at Lilith, who was smiling, and in that brief moment he thought she was beautiful. He didn't know what he wanted from the Uloi, but he knew that he wanted what he wanted from the woman. <clears throat> but he wasn't <laughs> going to ask them. They made clearly that they wanted something from him, but he wanted to wait until they asked him. Interesting, yeah. So he's uh, gonna gonna wait it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I mean, they they certainly seem pretty forward. So um, basically, who's more thirsty, them or him? <laughs> no, I said he doesn't seem to be in any particular hurry, right? In fact, he was saying things are moving a bit fast. So uh, true, yeah. true. So, I think, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, explains it later. I mean, literally in a second, it explains what what's who's who's really thirsty in this whole group. And the. The other question I had was, I don't know if Lilith's analogy here is much useful, because elephant trunks, like, does, does Tina have any kind of context for elephant trunks? There probably aren't elephants anymore, and I don't know if the humans are allowed to keep any of their, you know, pre-war literature. But so. I think he, like, because he was, he was born before the war, right? Like, uh... Uh, I mean, which, yeah, so he was, what, like, eight? equivalent biologically when the bombs fell so maybe he um, was away at least from no the but i think that so i think but that's when he was um like when he was released back to the to the humans mm-hmm. right so presumably he spent at least some time in the the conditioning and when he was initially woken although i don't know how long that would mm-hmm. have been but I, i'd guess probably something on the order of at least a year so maybe seven so yeah okay yeah yeah he, he probably had context for that good point um so this is where uh we know, like, as I was saying, who's really thirsty in this group. I was thinking, Tino said, the book is the book, I'm quoting book now, referring uh, to the sensorians, that I don't know what they are. Nikanj's body tentacles seemed to tremble, then solidify into discolored lumps. They sank into themselves the way the soft bodies of slag seemed to when they drew themselves up to rest. That made Tino revolt. Don Kali were ugly creatures. He then saw Lilith grabbing one of the Nikandis and Saram and stared at it. Lilith spoke aloud. Slow, she whispered. Give him a moment. Give me a moment. Don't defeat your own purpose by hurrying. <laughs> For a moment, Nikandis' lumps looked worse, oh, like grotesque disease. But then all of it resolved itself into a slender, smooth body. Um, Nikand stood up went and went to a far corner of the room and sat there without even moving a slide bit, just like a statue. Tino asked Lilith what happened, to which, very happy, Lilith responded that it was the first time in her life to tell Nikanj to be patient. If it was a human, <laughs> it would be infatuated with Tino, or even worse. Uh, Nikanj went to the corner of the room because it just cannot make itself leave to let the two of them be human for a little while. Like, just... Although she doesn't think Tina wants to Nikanj actually leave. This is where the first time um, Liv says to... Like, she sort of already knows that Tino doesn't want it to leave. Although it's like Tino is repulsed mm. by Nikanj. But still, 
t uh, she's like, yeah, you can't just releasing all those like pheromones. You're not gonna, you don't want it to leave. Well, you may feel like you want, but not really. <clears throat> no, and we got earlier that you know it was peculiarly compelling or some such yeah. uh, phrase. So it's uh, yeah, yep. So Tino definitely does seem a little bit more um, curious to to um, find out what the Owen Carly do or what the Eloy do than uh, <laughs> yeah uh, than for example Joseph was <laughs> yeah exactly it was just like but it's mm. just funny that Nikandi is just so like in a hurry that it's first time that actually Liv has tell to slow down yeah it's, it's funny how happy Liv yeah, is exactly. about the fact that she has to tell it to be patient it's like because <laughs> uh, that was a it was a whole thing in the Early on in the first book, right? It's like they seemed infinitely patient, and it, it frustrated the hell out of her that she couldn't like outweigh. Yeah, them. it must have been like um, after you know such a long time being with them. It's first time for her to be like, "Gotcha." Yeah. <laughs> um, Tino asks uh, Lilith then if you know if Nikanj can read minds or if Lilith can read them, but Lilith explains to Tino that she never uh, met anyone being able to do it. Um, mm. the book describes it in more details I'll quote the book it can stimulate sensations and sense thoughts of it, of an all sort of directions but it cannot read those thoughts it can only share the new sensations they produce in effect it can give you the most realistic and the most pleasurable dreams you ever experience nothing you've known before can match it except perhaps your conditioning and that should tell you why you're here and why you were bound to seek out the trade villagers sooner or later. Nikanj touched you when you were too young to have any defenses. And what it gave you, you won't ever quite forget or quite remember unless you feel it again. You want again, don't you? That sounds a bit weird and wrong. Hmm. Yeah, especially uh, uh, it touched you when you were too young to have any defenses. Yeah, that's, um... that one sentence mm. is a bit... <clears throat> yeah. Hmm. Tino swallowed and said that he could remember drugs, but although he never took any because he knew they what they did to people. But Lilo explains to him that it is not a drug. It's a direct stimulation of the brain and the nervous system. There is no pain because Don Kali hate pain even more than humans. There are no harmful side effects. Don Kali fix automatically anything problematic. They weren't as good in repairs there now, but now they can regenerate the whole leg or even brain and nervous tissue. They all got this from studying cancer. Tino says that it's a filthy disease because it killed both of his grandparents, to which Lilith, caressing his arm, gently responds that now she understands why Nikanj is so attracted to him. Cancer killed three of her relatives, uh, including her mother, and it would have killed her, but Donkali cured her. It is indeed filthy disease for humans, but for Onkali, it is a useful tool. Um, Tino asks what does cancer has to do with him, and Lilith tells him nothing. It just makes him attractive in Nikanj's eye. You know, like it's like pretty or not pretty people. You know, you find people that you're attracted to them. That makes attractive. You know, Nikanj is attracted to them. Although Tino doesn't understand, and Lilith tells him that their children will because they will be like them. Mm. Um, it's interesting. Lilith asks if yeah. he accepted, it... but he isn't sure. You know, he he isn't sure if he accepts this whole idea. Yeah. Yeah, this, uh, the whole sort of um, like uh, attraction to people who have some kind of predisposition to cancer is uh, uh, strange, but it's. Uh, I mean, you know, it's it is alien, right? Kind of we we can't really judge them by the same, mm. um, from the same perspective. But you know, the fact that you know they could use cancer to learn how to regenerate their old tissues. Which still, for me, is mm -hmm. a very weird aspect, considering that you know, the whole their whole bodies need to be able to regenerate themselves or generate themselves. It's just, I guess, maybe it's just a lack of at the time that you know when 
this book were written these books were written you know cancer was um the study on cancer was really speeding up and then the fact that some ideas using cancer as the regenerating aspect you know like use, mm -hmm. you know maybe we could learn from cancer in you know, regeneration and i remember the first ideas were i think maybe i mentioned that before about the telomere lengths that they were so short and yeah, restoring yeah. them and that you know like that the cells could potentially um uh regenerate for longer and in the body stayed long, uh, uh, young longer but that idea was mm -hmm. also i mean it, we we had something of a discussion about this when when it first yeah. came up about the whole um uh, when he mentioned, when I think Jadaya mentioned that they removed the cancer from um, from Lilith. I think that's that's where the first mm. time we discussed yeah. this. Yeah, but but when it first came up, um, this whole kind of idea of um, uh, the proliferative ability of cancer to be used in in a, in a, like a, a context of healing, and we discussed the whole kind of the, the problem of it, it then being you know, too much growth, and you have to control yeah. that. And, uh, but yeah. Refer back to previous discussions. Yeah, you, you've got to watch all the episodes and read all the references. Yeah. The references we actually don't even remember what we put because <laughs> it's been so long to go. Yeah. Um. But yeah, Lilith then gets closer to him. He could smell her. You know the the smell of fresh plant like smell from food and plants. She smelled like a woman. He reached out to her, touching her large breast. Just couldn't stop himself. <laughs> He had wanted to touch them since he had first seen them. She lay down on her side, drawing him down, facing her. Um, honestly, this chapter, I mean, like, what was going on through Octavius Butler's mind? It's like... <laughs> yeah. uh, so we should probably talk about this. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, yeah, it's... it's. So, uh, the, um, like, why is it that uh, men have a fixation on on uh, women's breasts from an evolutionary perspective? You know, us being biologists and all. As being so. the biologists, <clears throat> yes, go on. Um, so it's it's worth pointing out um, firstly that human females have persistent breasts, which is unusual, right? True. Uh, most mammals, um, you know, mammal mammary. It's the it's literally the 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 namesake of our um, like uh, particular taxon right the uh, our whole group of animals are called mammals because we have mammary glands um and so they you know they're important for the, uh, the fact that we you know spend a lot of resources raising our offspring but uh, most mammals mammary glands do not persist when they're not lactating right they're just you know, if you look at the like the, the belly of your, your cat or your dog or whatever there's not much there when they're not uh using yes. them um and there's the reason for this is probably costly signaling theory um in that a uh, a breast that is uh shapely shall we say uh, is a difficult to fake signal of uh like resource abundance and fertility and youth right all of these these markers of like a, a probably successful uh reproduction are quite well encapsulated and reliably so in breasts Hence the uh, fixation. <laughs> but the fact is that um, in animals, the you know, the the whole function is um, to feed the offspring, right? And obviously in humans as well, like the, the producing, mm. you know, the breast producing milk, and you no, know, at the point where the pregnancy or like the baby's born, like the the mammary glands produce start producing the milk, I, right? Um, that remains the primary yeah, function, primary, but, but the they fact are is that also taken on signaling function. Reality. But the fact is that 
in I think only in humans that the fact that it persists, you know. And uh, no, that's because um, of our mate selection uh, differences, right? We, we're very odd in that. Um, so whilst females are still like the limiting reproductive resource, mm-hmm. um, in humans, it's very difficult to successfully rear, or at least it was in the ancestral environment, to successfully rear children without um, the cooperation of both yeah. partners, right? So you need parental investment from both the the the, the male and the female, which means that um, mate choosiness um, is not a uniquely female characteristic mm-hmm. in humans, right? So males are also selective about their mates, which is why we have this um, sort of slightly uh, weird partial inversion of the typical um, pattern that you see, like you know, in birds, it's the males that are the showy yes. ones. Right, they have all the characteristics that are, you know, colorful and mate selection. Whereas in humans, like more typically, it's the females who do display. Uh, males do it a little bit too because we have the. Uh, it matters for both of us to select suitable yes, mates, absolutely. which is, um, and yeah, so that's that's why the, we have. Um, that's why there is like cost, costly signaling is engaged in by both women and men in the in in humans because of the fact that we need both parental uh, sets of investment in the offspring to succeed reproductively, right? But in, in uh, a lot of other species, it, it's, it's not as, um, like the, the, um, the mate choice is, is not as, um, it doesn't need to be as mutual as it were, like it, it, the, the female can be more selective and not, it doesn't require this whole um, dual parental investment and long-term pair bonding mm-hmm. is another aspect of it. So you get things like um, uh, cryptic ovulation, um, is another side effect of that. Like you, you can't obviously tell that a, a woman is ovulating, uh, which is uh, involved in the whole uh, aspect of creating long-term pair bonds, which is unusual. Again, another uh, characteristic. You know, mo- most animals you can tell when they're ovulating. So yeah, we have a whole bunch of weird biological pe- peculiarities because of our um, uh, our slightly odd habits around the way that we have this massive investment in our mm. offspring. No. It's quite a good discussion of this on a, a podcast relatively recently, the um, the Femsplainers podcast. Uh, they had a conversation with Heather Hying, who's an evolutionary biologist, specifically talking about the evolutionary function of breasts. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Um, we'll post the link to the um, now references um, to the podcast. Mm. Oh. And actually, the the costly signaling theory thing it fits. Um, it explains very well why uh, breast implants are so popular. Okay. Uh, like it, it's it's it, you go back to the the canonical textbook experiment with with what happens when you take a, um, a so it was a Jackson's widow bird where um, the males have these long tail feathers so if you if you cut off the tail feathers of of uh, males uh, like trim them down to to a short length then they no longer have as impressive a signal um, so you, you and then you like if you super glue them on like make them longer on other males then they have a much more impressive looking signal and the mating um, like numbers follow <laughs> so uh, so uh, yeah they, they screwed over some poor I was um, going to say they probably good good looking Jacksons with yeah, birds and uh, bumped up the status of some uh, <laughs> some less well <laughs> less well endowed ones in, in uh, and yeah so you know hence you know like if you can augment the signal then uh, you can. Uh, hack the uh what is in nature a hard thing to fake yeah. and it is a very popular cosmetic surgery it's like three hundred and fifty thousand a year in the u.s wow okay it's about the third most popular elective what's the first and second which is do you know um i think it's like nose and something else i can't okay. remember but uh yeah 
yeah, I'll definitely have to check out the, the that other um podcast as well. Sounds interesting to to listen on that, um, especially from the evolutionary point of view. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why are you laughing. Excuse me. Excuse me. <laughs> oh dear. No. Yes. So yeah, from the right. biologist perspective, it's a very interesting and very important topic. Um, yes, we'll yeah. exclude that we fact we're of both course. men. But in fact, I think everybody loves Cook, <laughs> so let's continue with the topic. <laughs> I think we can Yes, agree. we can all agree. <laughs> um, <laughs> back to Vuka. Um, it occurred to Tina that the way she positioned herself was to put Nikanj behind his back. You know, that made Tina sit up again and look around, but Nikanj hasn't moved at all. Liv then advised him to lie down for a while with her and saying that we will join Nikan soon. Um, Tino isn't sure. He still doesn't understand if he wants to go to Nikan or what the Ulo is capable of. You know, Tino asks Lil if it will use him to make Lilith pregnant, but she says that not now because Akin is still young. Uh, but it might collect some sperm from him. Um, Tino wouldn't be aware of it though. That when they have a chance, they stimulate a woman to ovulate several eggs, which they collect and store. They can keep sperm and eggs in their bodies for decades. Akin is the child of a man who died nearly 30 years ago. 30 years! Like, I thought that this book might be happening, mm. I don't know, a few years afterwards. 30 years since um, uh, Joseph's death. So the whole idea of, yeah, like, we yeah. had the conversation about, like, how... um. I mean, the, the paragraph later explains it to, to how they did, but like we were, uh, hi, you know, creating a hypothesis about like how they, you know, could store, you know, Joseph's sperm for so long and stuff like, and must couldn't be so long, but it seems like thirty years have passed. Yeah, we get a we, we get an answer to to that um, that concern, right? A, 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 feels like it might be a little bit of a retcon, but um, yeah, they made some discoveries that would uh, you know improve their their gamete preservation techniques and uh, yeah, no, hence the fact that Akeem could be born considerably later than uh, the no, this first daughter presumably yes. was. Uh, no, because even yeah. Tino mentions that like oh he thought that they can only store it only for so long but then it mm. explains like oh yeah actually somebody came up with an idea how to store them longer and Nikanj was the first one to learn it so mm. yeah it, it's, but it explains the timeline now it's, it, the timeline is much clearer now so we're talking about 30 years after the events of book one that's mm. a yeah. hell of a uh, jump gives... like wow yeah it's, it's a big time jump yeah. and uh, I mean it, we, I suppose we did need to have enough time for for um, Leah to have had those nine kids. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that explains it like as well, like nine kids from you know, like yeah. if she did like year by year, you could probably squeeze it and squeeze in eight years, but still. Yeah, that'd be um, a pretty grueling scratch oh, schedule. God. Like, I guess that I mean, because obviously women have to, you know, the t- there's a time of recovery for women after the pregnancy, because obviously the you know all the tissue has to go back to normal and organs and stuff like that. I can yeah, imagine with Don about one a year is kind of a, about as much as you can. Yeah, compress it. I can imagine with Don Kali, mm. you could probably speed up the regeneration process and be like, "Yep, she's ready for another one. Come on, Ray, do your job." Oof! Wow. <laughs> but yeah. Um. <laughs> Tino then in this in the book does what no man 
should ever do if they want to live. And I'm being serious right now. <laughs> he asks Lilith how old she is. Likely for you know for uh, for him, Lilith is pretty understanding. She says she's 55. Um, but he says that no, she looks much younger than him. He even you know he at least has some gray hair. And um, he he worried that maybe he is in fact one of the humans that Ankali failed with, you know, fertile and aging normally. But Lilith tells him that Nikanj would never fail if the, during the conditioning. Um, Tina was so. Tino was so close to Lilith that he couldn't stop touching himself, stop himself from touching her, and whispers to her if Nikanj couldn't go away even for a while. But Lilith tells him not to bother whispering because they can even hear his heartbeat from the place he's sitting. It can even hear mm. his subvocalizations, things that you can say to yourself, not even quite out loud. That's impressive. Yeah, it's, uh... It's also like it's impressive in sensitivity, but also in much more so in like audio filtering capabilities, right? Because if you can hear something that's that subtle and not be overwhelmed by everything else that you can hear, then um, like your ability to pull out and pay attention to specific parts of what you're hearing is uh, yeah, it's it's a, a little yeah, overpowered. it is very overpowered. Like if you can like, I mean, talking to yourself, like whispering to yourself, I could understand this maybe, but like if you like internally think it's like oh mm, yeah like blah blah, blah. it's just mm. i suppose it's a little bit like um like a throat mic yeah. right if, if you put a, a a mic on your throat and then you just sort of you know speak without actually opening your mouth then you can kind of get the tiny vibrations uh, yeah analogous basically yeah. butt mm. hearing or even more better uh on, on them like it's crazy mm. lilith tells him that it isn't human, so it's not like having another man or woman in the room. So it won't leave, you know. Lilith smiled rarely, leaned over him and kissed him. She then sat up and said that she understand. She felt like this before. She then proceeded to tell Tino that they will go, Nik- to go Nik- the, they'll go join Nikanj, but she needs to tell him one last important thing, that her full name is Lilith Yapo, the same one who awakened the first three groups of humans to be sent back to Earth. All those humans thought of her as mm. the betrayer. The Onkali either seduced them or terrified them or both. I, on the other hand, was nobody. It was easy for them to blame me and it was safe. So she already had to two more groups after this whole ordeal. I mean, like, I mm. swear, like, I admire Lilith that she didn't go crazy after this. Like, the fact that every group she had to awaken at the end of the day, would, they would treat her like a betrayer. Yeah, yeah. That's... Uh... After what we saw her go through with the first group, uh, like doing it another two times must have been. Like I could just imagine her be like, oh, "Okay, second group, maybe this will go different this time," and it's happened again. And third time they go like, hmm. I just can't imagine her be like basically dead, like inside, just doing this, like, "Oh yeah, hmm. I'm this and this. This is this. Deal with it or not." Like you know, and and, and she may have been either either pregnant or having had her first yeah. daughter. Um, because you know, she was pregnant at the end of the the first book, and uh, she did another two groups. So yeah, it's a it's a yeah hell of a thing to have, to have gone through, especially where with all those people. No, absolutely. Thinking of her as absolutely, it's just it, it's yeah. the fact that they pushed her three times to do the same bloody thing. It's just wow. <sighs> so yeah, so now when the ex resistors travel through low. Uh, and they hear her name 
they assume that Lilith looks like a devil with horns, you know. Lilith asks, you know, what people in Phoenix say and he tells her that she sold them. Um, but what was the currency she asked, you know? And he says that the right to stay on the ship and for the powers. Mm. Yeah, so they're uh, fairly incoherently <laughs> blaming her for... just trying to blame on yep. someone and she's the just convenient... Um, yeah, Scapegoat. that's what I was looking for, yeah. Mm. No. They say that you know, Tino tells her they say that she was made construct. You know, um, Lilith tells him that she begged to go to Earth with the first group, but Nika, Nikanj, and that's what was the I realized then that it was the Nikanj that they were talking in the previous chapter wouldn't let her. It said that they mm-hmm. would kill her, and even though Tino points out that she's strong and fast, she's different, and she tells him that the way that's the way the Onkali paid her off to give her some protection. You know, she was stronger and faster, but not as strong as the constructs. She would heal fast and recover from wounds that would normally kill humans. She would, she could, of course, raise platforms and low all humans who decide to join them get this ability. Hmm. So I just wanted to. Um, there's a point I was going to mm-hmm. discuss earlier. I kind of uh, skipped over it, but we talked a little bit about. I mean, there's a kind of couple of things that they discovered, right? They have this ability to to heal more effectively, and they learned how to do the the gamete preservation mm-hmm. thing. Um, and I'm I'm curious a little bit about how they uh, how they communicate their results, right? You know, so the the Onkali don't write stuff, and they just have this ability to kind of send stuff to one another, like mind to mind, when they do this chemical I communication thing it's a i sort of imagine it if i can mm. if i might uh, i sort of imagine it two different ways one way is that mm. every so often they have a gathering where all don kali just come in join their hands and all ex- this this massive exchange of information between one another right so like every so often when don kali have this like discussion right so that's when they like exchange mm. information ideas and discoveries Mm-hmm. The other time is maybe they do have some sort of um, way of sending organic information, like some sort of organic HDD, basically hard drives that they can exchange information. Like, but I guess mm. so. Some kind of yeah, storage in a way. Like, for example, like mm. they all of the Onkali give this one Onkali uh, Uloi all the ideas and information, and Uloi goes to the another village, and they all exchange the information, and you know gives the other Onkali uh, that information and to return, they give him that. And that's how they exchange this sort of, as you know, the, the, the mm-hmm. conversation or like at least the, you know, the, the discoveries. Yeah. So, so one of the advantages of having uh, effectively a, a sort of genetic memory or like the ability to exchange that kind of information effectively mm-hmm. directly means that they have this like native communication channel that is kind of, it's a uh, deeper than what we can currently do with with like language, I yeah. think, right? Because you know, if, if you write something down, you have to you have to compose a a you know you serialize it, right? You write it out in as, a, as a sequence of words that is kind of uh, you know translating your brain state into some some text, and then someone else has to read it and then pause it and kind of attempt to reconstruct your your brain state from the words that you wrote down on the um, on the. What piece did the of paper, author think right? when um, he wrote this poem? Yeah, and like, like there's there's not like a like the degree of compatibility there, like the degree of of, of nativeness is not yep. perfect, right? It's like um, uh, to use a computing analogy, right? It's like we're sharing the 
the source code, but we all have to kind of um, so we have to like reverse compile our binary native version. Yeah, reverse into engineer understanding of what was going through the yeah. creator's mind when he when they were writing this code and um, yeah yeah. Uh, and then you know when we get the source code, we have to recompile it into an, a binary that will run natively on our instruction sets architecture, yeah. right? It's just like it, it, it's a whole kind of a like there's an extra step there, right? But it seems almost like the the Owen Carly have like binary memory compatibility, yeah. right? So in, instead of having to say, oh no, like if if I'm a an x86 processing architecture and I decompile whatever it is that I'm doing into to to um, source code and then in order for you to understand it it has to like recompile it into arm or whatever it is right you know the, to use a, the computing mm -hmm. analogy right they just have binary compatibility they can just ship yeah, yeah. whatever the 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 compiled version is to one another and understand it uh, immediately without having to go through the the intermediate step um, which is uh, super cool no, absolutely. Right? Uh, instead of having to like you know write a paper to describe what you did and have someone try and figure it out you can you, just uh, understand you just, it you know, straight away like like yeah, like send them the ideas from your brain. It's interesting though, because in the same time, like it's it sort of puts it like you know, because we know Don Kali create different ships. There's like this, this different tribes that some of them travel, mm. uh, create a new ship. Some of them stay in the old ship, and some of them stay on the planet. And mm. it feels to me that um, like there's this, you know, there's this sort of ecosystem that's gets generated like there's a ship ecosystem and i guess like before the new ship is created and before they go traveling across the space um i guess they will exchange some information between each other obviously but then that's the end of it right so the groups that stay on the on the earth right all the human on calicon constructs they will generally create some other stuff compared to the ones on the old ship or on the new ship right and it feels mm -hmm. to me so like familiar. there's this isolation of those, uh, those like those, and things like some things probably will be discovered in parallel in many aspects, but there's gonna be a lot of like lack of communication, right? Yeah, we've never really seen them do anything with like radio, exactly, or, um, communications of that type. So it's uh, a little unclear like how they maintain contact if they if they do maintain contact between the. These kind of isolated and this is what what really interests me because like for example like what if for example there's this ship somewhere in the space and they're saying like sending an SOS signal be like you know be warned because there's another species that basically feeds on on Kalia but you never know because they don't have technology like the like electrical technology to send radio waves or something like that and even if it takes like I don't know hundreds of years or thousands of years to be to you know to exchange it like but still. Hmm. So, yeah, yeah. So, and uh, like real time communication is not is not something that we've really uh, we've really seen them use yeah. at all. Hmm. Um, but let's go back to maybe to the chapter. It says the book. Um, mm -hmm. I'm gonna quote quite a lot of book in here because it's this this interaction is I think very um important to 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 understand what's going to happen what's happening um some of the resistors. Nikanj changed me to save my life, that's Liv saying, and it succeeded. Instead of killing me, the first group I awakened killed Akin's father, the man I had paired with. Might, you know, might still be with, you know, like if, if he was still alive, she means. One of them killed him, the others watched and they then went on following that one. Tino suggests that maybe they were afraid, but he wasn't told parties, so he doesn't know. Some even say that maybe she didn't like men. 
Lilith then laughs and asks him which of her first group is in Phoenix. A guy named Rinaldi. Gabe? Gabe <laughs> and Tate? Are they still together? Yes, I didn't realize. Tate never said anything about being with him then. I thought they had gotten together here on Earth. Lilith tells him, I awoke them both. They were my best friends for a while. Their Uloi was Kaguya. Oan Nikanj. What Nikanj? Nikanj's Uloi parent. It stayed aboard the ship with its mates and raised another tree of children. Nikanj told it Gabe and Tate wouldn't be leaving the resistors anytime soon. It it was finally willing to acknowledge Nikanj's talent and it couldn't bring himself to accept other humans. Of course fucking hmm. Gabe. Like, I swear, <laughs> if, Nick, if Lilith doesn't punch him in the face in any time future, I'll be seriously disappointed. Like, I'm gonna just... I refuse reading the books if it uh. doesn't happen. <laughs> 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 yeah it's interesting that they uh they, they got uh kind of separated from kaguya though because um you know they had that whole like um bond thing going on uh where it was you know unpleasant for them to be away from from the uloi and so on so i guess that must have been yeah a, i guess uh, gabe was not so happy about it even though there's enough um uh what's the word um uh, and resistance but also like stubbornness in him of like not liking this idea mm. um that it might have you know be strong enough to to reject the, the bond um after it mm. was the after the initial you know like that that infatuation uh that is created by the okali yeah i think the we've had before that the the um uh like the humans in in the the trio being repelled from one another thing kind of wears yes, off eventually yes. Yeah, so, so I guess at that point, after yeah. he regained his sort of senses in a way, and that was enough for him to to, to reject Kaguya. Mm. And it's interesting because finally mm. Kaguya accepted, you know, Nikanji's talent and the fact that Nikanji understands humans better than Kaguya. Holy shit! Like, wow, well done, Kaguya. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> took a little bit too long, but I, yeah. I swear, like, but it's good. He got a lesson. I'm happy. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so that's, I think Kaguya remains kind yeah, of an basically. Ass, I think, yeah, basically. But this is where the book explains more about this whole idea, right? Um, if I'm, if I may continue, so then Tino looked at Nikanj and then mm-hmm. went to it and asked what its talent is. Um, Nikanj tells him that he has talent for humans. He was bred and taught to work with humans and given one of them as the companion during one of its more formative periods, i.e. Lilith. Um, Nikanj basically understood humans so well it can anticipate their reactions. But it surprised Nikanj that Kaguya let Tate go, even though eventually she would be swayed to stay with it. Because Kaguya often said that there is no point of in paying attention of what, to what humans said. What an ass. Um, Lilith tells him that Nikanj may understand humans better than it understands Onkali, and he la- Nikanj laughs and says that Ahja says that as well. Um, so it's, it explains that, like, yeah, actually, Nikanj tells him, like, oh, this is going to happen. And then Kaguya finally realizes, like, actually, Nikanj understands them much better uh, than it will mm. ever do. And so uh, it's interesting that that also puts a certain distance between Nikanj and the rest of the Ankali, right? It's uh, yeah. its ability to understand the humans makes it slightly slightly alien to the uh, to the rest of the Ankali. It's it's. Uh, it's- its function as kind of a bridge puts it as a bit of an yeah. Outsider. It's fascinating that the so. fact that we you know we had this conversation before, like at the beginning, that Nikanj understood mm. Lilith much better than any other like mm. 
well, except for Chitaya, although Chitaya, like at the very beginning, we only had you know him for for a brief moment, and that's it, right? Um, but yeah. it just shows that how much, um, how much, how better Nikanj was, and how much be- how better he I- it is compared to you know what Kaguya is. Um, hmm. I mean, obviously Kaguya never did anything to. Um, counter that you know to, to learn anything right because it, it obviously just refused to sort of learn anything yeah, he, but he, hey yeah so the kaguya seems to be a bit um uh stuck in its opinions of humans as, as not really being worth its time uh, it's like you're gonna trade with yeah. them and then you're like yeah it doesn't matter they're like you know animals it's just like wow okay mm. yeah. maybe it goes back to the whole nuclear war thing it's like these guys blew themselves up why, why do we have we, to listen uh, to them yeah true yeah oh. no it's true but at the same time it proved that you know like the whole Paul Titus was Kaguya's idea and yeah yeah I'm not gonna finish that because it's just I'm gonna wind myself up um hmm. Tino then asks if Nikanj made Lilith pregnant against her will, to which it says yes, against one part of her will. She wanted a child with Joseph, but he was dead. She was more alone than anyone could imagine. It was their shared fault that she was so lonely. Shared as in like Don Kali's shared fault. Um, Don Kali believed that they had to use her because otherwise they would have to drug the newly awakened humans. They did it later anyway because they saw what that they were damaging Lilith so much and that the others... Um, they were trying to use. And the first child that Nikanj gave Liv was what she wanted but not, could not ask for. And it let her blame it instead of herself. You know, She felt betrayed and thought of Nikanj as the destroyer of treasured things. It says that she needed to do that. Uh, she needed him to do that so that she would stop hating herself. Tina then asked Liv who, with a bitter, you know, you know whom with a bitter smile, tells him, I told mm. you it was talented. She wasn't sure how much of that was true, but Nikanj usually tells the truth, you know. Mm. On the other hand, reasons and justification yeah. can sound just as good as when they're made up as an afterthought. Have your fun that come up with wonderful sounding reason why it was the right thing for you to do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I I, uh, I like that Lilith is still uh, very skeptical of this whole <laughs> line of thought here. It's like, uh, yeah, this seems like a rationalization to yeah, me. Ex- to try and explain uh, your motif, right? Um, well, you come up with a... Although it, it, it's, it's kind of what, what we do all the time, uh, it seems anyway. Like We it, do what? Uh, it appears from a lot of cognitive science research that basically we... We just do stuff and then um, come up with explanations yeah. <laughs> for why after the fact, right? Yeah. So the um, Jonathan Haidt calls it the uh, the elephant and the uh, and the rider mm-hmm. model, right? Where you have uh, your sort of conscious mind is like um, a PR guy riding an elephant, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so the elephant just does stuff, and then the PR guy has to make up excuses for why it was it was perfectly reasonable and a good idea for the elephant to have done the thing. Um, uh, you know, just sort of spin everything that the yeah. elephant does. Uh, and if you do experiments where you look at like the the timing of of when you you decide to do something and when you become consciously aware of the fact that you mm-hmm. decided to do it, it's like slightly afterwards. 
So it does seem that that's actually the way it works, right? We we just we decide to do stuff, and then conscious our conscious mind becomes aware of the fact that we decided to do it afterwards, and comes up with a reason that yeah. sounds plausible, so we can explain our behavior yeah, yeah. to other people. <laughs> no, it's just it it makes in a way it makes sense, but at the same time, like it's I I think you know in a way I understand. It, you know, I mean, it explains why Nikanj did it because um, he explains it to mm. us. But at the same time, I feel like there's more to that than just that. I feel like it it mm-hmm. was Nikanj's yeah. also the first time to actually make human pregnant and he wanted to do it from the very beginning. And the fact that um, mm. he couldn't at the time preserve um, Joseph's, you know, genetic information for that long. I guess he wanted to preserve that information in the form of a child or something just to be able to maybe utilize it for later stage, right? Yeah, yeah. And and we've we've kind of discussed the whole um like tension between a uh, conscious desire to do a thing and an unconscious desire yeah. to do a thing and then the Owen Carly's misunderstanding of that because they have in my theory anyway, the, they have more control over what their their um unconscious yeah. desire to do a thing is in, in some ways or at least it's perhaps more transparent to them. Uh, like I mean, returning to the whole elephant and the rider idea, right? Just just because you came up with a an ex post facto explanation for the thing that you did doesn't mean it's wrong. It just means that there's a, a decent chance that you missed part of the actual underlying yeah. motivation. Right? It may actually be incorrect, but it might actually it, it may actually be a, an accurate representation of of, of the or represent a, a real understanding of the motives. It's just the the actual motives are not uh, transparent yeah. to you. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's interesting, and you know, like here, Tino asks Lilith if she hates this whole idea, right? Like, what? So, and we know. So this is why Lilith tells him that sometimes she leaves the house to hate it, like hate Nikanj. She goes exploring all their villages, and we know about this because Akin, um, uh, older sister, told him that you know Lilith sometimes leaves for several days. Initially, they were worried about her that she may never come back. Um, but here it says that you know she goes exploring other village and thinks that she hates Nikanj until the moment she starts missing her children and then when that's when she stops and comes back. Interesting that, yeah, because it's a, uh, it seems like almost if left to her own devices, um, apart from her attachment to her children, she, she would, would just uh, go, yeah, just go, yeah. And to be honest, as Tino here is impressed that she's not crying or anyone with this this much passion. And this much, you know, shouldering all of this information, all of this on her, you know, should not be able to hold back her mm. tears, right? And it's just, it's crazy how much they put Lilith through. And, you know, mm. um, and in the book it says that that's why she's, you know, like, um, um, that's why she's so like, you know, because when she tells him, her, you know, her name, right? When people learn about she's the devil, and often people like go and hunting for her. Early in the book, it said like they they would. That's why she's so sensitive mm-hmm. sensitive about weapons in the, um, in the village because quite often people would go and hunt at her for her just to like as a, to to make themselves yeah. feel better. You know, they killed the you know they killed the Judas, they killed the 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 demon mm-hmm. who sold them to the Onkali, right? Um, mm-hmm. Man, that yeah, sucks no, to be just, her. Like honestly, makes a bit more sense of why she uh, took that very kind of uh, immediate action when she first saw uh, Tino. Um, yeah, Tino's bow. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, it's just it, it's it, it, yeah. You really need to have 
amazing strength will and strength of character to to cope with all of that no she's made of uh, yeah. stern stuff <clears throat> well this is where the chapter ends uh this following passage he took her by her arms by her arms but found her stiff and resistant her eyes rejected any comfort but before he could offer it he asked what you know what sh- what should he do and then suddenly Liv was hugging him tightly asking him to stay uh, you know, Tino thinks this is how, how could he, he could have resisted her earlier. You know, Liv tells him that if he decides to leave, she will help him, but he would not be imagining to want to do so. Um, something cool and rough touched his upper arm. Then, it's Nikanj. The chapter ends with Nikanj connecting to Tino's nervous system, sending him a wave of pleasure. He wasn't unconscious, but he was not in full control. And he half remembered lying down beside Nikanj, seeing Lilith on the other side, calling out to her, wishing she was near him, and then suddenly having Lilith in his arms. And that's where the chapter ends. Yep. Uh, Nikanj uh, snuck up on them there. Pull a sneaky one on (laughs) I bet there's some fan fiction somewhere on the internet about this. <laughs> oh man, it's good that we don't uh, have comment section in our, on our website. Or although there's comment section on YouTube, but I can imagine people posting links to f- smuts. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I, I couldn't uh, easily get comments on the website without involving irritating third-party <laughs> tracking things. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, YouTube comments. <laughs> Feel free, people. <laughs> Oh man, this chapter so. had everything, honestly. Mm-hmm. But honestly, I swear, no. if if Lilith, you know, if we meet Gabe and he doesn't get punched in the face for some from by anyone, I'll be angry. He's the next Kaguya. Eh. Okay, right, yeah. So he's the, that's why, he's the, the, the that's why they the match so well. Now I understand. Ah. <laughs> uh. Honestly. I don't know, no, 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 it shouldn't be just Gabe. Take um uh, Tate also should be slapped for you know being for what she did. You know, well, I'm sorry, little blah blah. You slimy little bug. Hmm. No, but in general, the, the fact that yeah, they were. thirty years have passed, Lilif had to do two more groups after this whole event, and the fact that people keep hunting her, like hmm. yeah, that's uh, that's gonna be pretty. I rough. swear, um, by the time if I was her, I'd be like developing weapons like left and right like you know bombardments and like cannons just like anybody gets near the village gets shredded to to, to nothing basically yeah, so how, yeah I, I don't it's like how she is not more just like generally misanthropic <laughs> at this point honestly, i, I just can't i imagine her like I, it, honestly at this point i'll be like wearing developing a full power armor or something with just just walking around <laughs> on it or just never leaving the house no well, she, uh, she she takes a different tack, right? She uh, pretends yeah, to look harmless and then uh, complete, you know, breaks your yeah, bow exactly, out of nowhere. Completely <laughs> annihilates you, both physically and mentally. <laughs> yep. But it's it's just uh, general, like the the like I really as as there's I've you know the many books I've read about female protagonists, but Lilith just takes the top in terms of like how much she had to. So, like you know experience and handle and how much she's shouldering on her like it's it's just unbelievable yeah yeah and, and she has a really um 
you know, her motivations are, are, are complex and nuanced, and she's really conflicted about all this stuff. And it, you know, it's it's a, you know, it's a really it's a well written, very interesting character, um, and you, know, you you don't get that um, as often as perhaps uh, as perhaps is uh, yeah deserved, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I don't know. It just feels to me like that. Um, I mean, this book has made is has taken different approach, right? We have several different protagonists now. We have Akin, we have Tino. Mm-hmm. We have a bit of Lilith, yeah, um, but I think Akin and Tino seems to be the big, the big part now. Mm. Mm. Yeah, having um, the um, the perspective of, of Akin and, and, and Tino, um, we, I, I, don't, I don't know if we've gotten like a sort of close perspective on on, on Lilith so far. Just a chapter we've been, when we've been just a chapter head, really. when Tino like appeared the first time right but that was still more of um from akin's it was more in, in yeah from akin's perspective um, so i think yeah. they, they like yeah. lilith is now taking this sort of side uh character mm-hmm. up uh, you know approach of oh, well, she's the side character yeah. now but at the same time we are given mm-hmm. so much information about her yeah I mean, we get a lot of um a lot of more uh, because we got to know her pretty well yeah in the first book the, uh, Octavia can can write a bunch of stuff kind of about her, and then we'll we'll know how she yes. would feel about it to yeah, a significant yeah, degree. Right? We can we can yeah. infer what what that's going to be doing uh, in Lilith's head, um, so we don't we don't need to be in there. Uh, but yeah, the the whole um like the yeah the, the thirty year gap. It would be interesting to get a bit more from inside Lilith's head about how she feels about a, a bunch of the stuff that it, happened. It'd be in nice that to have a, like a so. brief maybe chapter on like the retrospective of like when she was on that hatred journey of like going traveling around different villages and how what she experienced probably like people walking around seeing her learning about her name then spitting on her or probably attacking her and then she beating them up and then just leaving the village and <laughs> rinse and continue right like rinse and repeat. Hmm. No, it's just it's it's no. it's incredible how much she was put through, and I just cannot imagine like at this point if Don Cali kept like pressing her to do this stuff more, I would I don't know I, I think at some point she would even even her even she would break. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they've um, they seem to have reached the point where they're not pushing no, it too much no. harder, right? That's uh, the. She seems to be kind of, uh, I don't know, settling into her her role as as you know, raising Kids. a bunch of uh, Owen Carly human yeah, hybrid uh, children. She so it wasn't just Joseph. There was another person, wasn't it? Um, who uh, um, uh, the yes, Hungarian um, fella, Victor. Yeah, yeah. Victor. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Victor. Dem- 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 um, so uh, yeah, yeah. But I guess he, he couldn't like maybe when he I don't know maybe he realized that um, how much she was shouldering or uh, you know. Maybe he just couldn't cope with it, and just that's why he left. Yeah, be, the dynamics of that relationship would also have been interesting to to know a bit more about, uh, and you know, how Nikanj functioned and all that as well. Mm. It's, uh, mm. Mm. Yeah, I, yeah. For now, it yes. remains mysterious. Well. Uh, I guess we should go to my predictions. Yes, let's uh, talk about your predictions for chapter seven. All the, after this super long chapter, I need to say there's so much information here packed. I was conflicted on what would be happening next. In the one way, I thought maybe it's like the day aftermath, like, you know, still uh, Tino and Lilith interaction and, you know, like sort of what's next and like, to, to, you know, like he maybe he meets more people outside and, you know, gets to know the village or something like this. Or maybe 
we have more on the villages of the Phoenix perspective. Like maybe I thought um, we learn more about the, the whole like resistor villages, maybe another character or a group of characters or, or Akin maybe learning more about you know, Tina and Tina learning more about Lilith. And I, I'm not, I wasn't certain. And I, I, but I think that maybe some people from the, maybe from Phoenix or other resistor villages arrive at the village at this point. Like, because, and the reason behind why I think that is that after such a long chapter on um, Lilith's perspective, and, uh, you know, Tino's perspective and this whole information about Lilith, mm -hmm. I don't know how much more you can um, investigate into this or have like, so maybe there will be some, some time skip again and you know tino living in the village and then you know suddenly his parents arrive or something along those lines okay uh -huh. interesting interesting couple of more uh more uh risky speculations in there yeah i, like that. I, I just so. thought that it's it's because after this because chapter five and six were so long so much information um like if you continue with that like you'd really have to have to discuss something, right? And I just don't feel like suddenly Tino jumping from flower to flower, meaning like maybe trying with race daughters or something. I, I feel like it would be more of a, there had to be some sort of continuation or at least a skip something that, you know, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. I think we'll probably just do the, the one chapter next week. It's a little bit shorter. It's 2,570 okay. words. Um, uh, but... Uh, yeah, if we do two, we br we bridge the end of a book, and, and the tool I wrote that that generates the thumbnails doesn't do um, a, a thing that bridges two different parts of the book. Okay, in, okay. In the same thing. So for, for technical, technical reasons, reasons, I can't be <laughs> sure, asked to read it. We're gonna just do one chapter. <laughs> no problem. Yeah, and the, the next one is uh, the one after that's pretty short, and then there's a it's moderately long, so we'll probably do two in, in the, sure. the one after that. But, well, yeah. whatever it is, I'm sure uh, it's gonna be interesting. At least from my perspective, the reading the the chapters, being allowed to read more chapters than than just one. Although I did enjoy reading just this super one long chapter. Mm, yeah, that's a good chapter. Get get a lot of a uh, lot of stuff wrapped up. From, yeah, from absolutely. Before. Well, everyone, thank you very much for listening to our podcast. Uh, we're Xenothesis. You can find all the places we upload our podcast on our website xenothesis.com. I was Michael Glinka. I was Richard Acton. Goodbye. Bye.